How do you do, ladies and gentlemen? What's the real truth about Citizen Kane? It'll probably turn out to be a very simple thing. Hello, everybody. We hope you're doing well. I'm Parker. And I'm Max. And welcome back to another episode of Better Than Citizen Kane, the highly subjective show where we look at a movie and ask the question, is it better than Citizen Kane? Each week on this show, we take a look at a movie, whether it be old or new, criticized or praised, and look at it through three pieces of criteria. Historical and technical relevance, how well is it doing what it's trying to do, and how does it connect with us emotionally, or in other words, do we like it? And if you like Citizen Kane, that's fine, because we're not here to hate on it. But when every movie ever made is a reasonable contender for the title of greatest film of all time, you have to wonder, is there something better than Citizen Kane? So today we're looking at Jean Dionnement, 23 Quai du Commerce, 1400 Bruxelles, uh, or Bruxelles, pardon, it's been a minute since I took French in college, a landmark in the slow cinema genre, as well as in feminist filmmaking. It also happens to be one of the main reasons that this podcast exists. Um, Parker, do you want to talk a little bit about that? Uh, yeah, first and foremost, I just want to point out, uh, I'm so glad that you do the titles of these movies because you have the French experience out of the two of us and I would have just left it I'm, at Jean Diamant and you got the yeah. whole thing. So congratulations. Yeah, and I, and That's I really great. I think it's important to not shorten this film's title in the mm -hmm. way that, in the same way that I would never try to shorten the film. Sure. <laughs> that makes sense. And I yeah. say that knowing full well, and this has been a year coming, I've been planning on this for a year. <laughs> I would like to apologize for in our very first episode, I referred to this film as the French woman movie. And <laughs> I didn't mean anything negative by it. I didn't mean to diminish the efforts of mm -hmm. the crew or of the film and its impact sure. on feminist and slow cinema. Um, I was just pressed for not remembering the title off the top of my head. But it is it's, it's, a, it's a lengthy title. It has I haunted... Don't... Parker, it has haunted me for a year. <laughs> also... Uh, just at the top of the show, I am sick, so if I sound like I'm doing an NPR voice or anything like that, that's why I'm trying my best not to get so loud that my throat remembers to cough. Also, if you are watching, that is why my co-host is a static PNG. I am. A really poorly edited photo of me into uh, Jean <laughs> Dielman's kitchen. Uh, poorly so. edited? What are you talking about? That that looks The background oh. looks flawless. Oh, I don't know what... Yeah. It doesn't looks it just, perfect. Doesn't, doesn't that Photoshop content aware <laughs> fill just look great? It looks amazing. Anyway, do you want to talk about it? All right, it? yes, I will. Okay. <laughs> so uh, a year ago when we started this podcast, a big kind of like, we had, we had talked about wanting to do this idea for like a year or so before yeah. we ever did the show. We just thought, yeah. oh, this would be fun. You know, we were both going through school. Things were busy, yada, yada. And then... um we decided that it was time to do it a because it worked better with our own personal schedules and b it was kind of a, a good time to be talking about it because um when was it december of 2022 yeah it yeah. would have been yeah is when um the updated uh sight and sound list was released which is curated by bfi i believe um yes it is, and yeah. the british film institute exactly and a big shakeup from that new list was that this film knocked Citizen Kane out of its top spot. Well, so actually, Vertigo mm. was in number one. That's right. Thank you. Vertigo was number one. Vertigo was in number one, and Citizen Kane was number two, and then this movie moved up, which knocked mm -hmm. them both down, which is yes. why we talked about Vertigo first last year. Right, 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 right. Because we thought, well, 
Vertigo, as far as a first episode goes, is probably a bit more accessible to maybe a general listenership. But we've had you all for a year now. So now we get to talk about whatever we want. And you're going to get some film school now. Oh, yeah. I mean, (laughs) yeah, I did more research for this film than any other because I also want to point out that we are two cis straight white men uh, Mm -hmm. in our early 20s, (laughs) early to mid 20s, who... uh, who are doing an episode about this film mm-hmm. and ideally there would be um, women on the podcast or, you know, femme people on the podcast, but that's okay, you know, and yeah. we're going to, we're going to talk about it uh, respectfully. So I hope that no one's like turning it off or is like dismissive of this because we're, we're, we're going to, I'm trying. <laughs> yeah. I, I promise. I promise we're going to, we, we have lots of uh, interesting insight i think some things that we really want to talk about things we're excited to talk about uh and you can rest assured that we will not be making any references to any of the mcu or saying i don't know man i don't know Endgame was better parker you just said that (laughs) and end the podcast (laughs) and turn it off it's Um, over no yeah so i think it's a great i think we've got all of our disclaimers out of the way yep i think so um and with that Parker, what's your history with this film? This is a first watch for both of us. This is a first watch for both of us. Um, I don't have much of a history with this film. Um, It is one of those that I was passingly familiar with uh, the film in general. Just I had heard it mentioned a few times. Again, kind of in film school learning about uh, the movement of slow cinema. This movie was mentioned as kind of an ur text of that. Um, And then naturally when the sight and sound list came out um, was a big topic of discussion of people kind of people who were familiar with the film coming out of the woodwork and championing it and saying, Hey, this is really exciting and great that this is the top of the list now. Um, And that's about it. I really, before watching it, I knew only the bare minimum of just that. It was kind of a slice of life following this moment, this woman's uh, day-to-day routine, but that was really it for me i don't i don't think that i knew much else going into it or had any sort of history or familiarity with uh the film itself yeah what about you max same um no yeah like obviously i went through film school i think i saw this in some editing textbooks and some film history textbooks obviously i was familiar with the fact that she carved potato like peeled potatoes for a long time Mm -hmm. um and i think i'd seen like that image and to the point that when it came up in the movie um, pretty late in the movie, I like, I pointed and I went, huh, because that's the image I'd seen. Um, ah. yeah, I really wasn't super familiar with it. Um, real quick. Do you mind if I just go over like some of like, I don't know, should we go over like some of the history of it now or should we save that until the criteria section of the show? Um, go ahead, go ahead and leave with it now, especially yeah. because I, the summary part of this movie is going to be, it's going to be so short, fairly brief. <laughs> You don't want to. So yeah, you don't want to talk about like the potato dropping, which is a very seismic. Yeah, I mean, and we. It sounds like we're <laughs> Look, making fun of it. We're not. We're not. But, like, we're not. Is, it's just. But if you if you listen to the show, you know that typically we break down beat by beat by beat everything that happens. Yeah. Um, and that is like one of the few kind of beats in this movie that is that is like visually right, dis- like like, dis- like very specifically a difference and a notice in, like something in you a, notice 
in a three and a half hour runtime, the the shift to the status quo can kind of be counted on a hand. Yes. It's just the way this movie Which is, is structured. Yeah. Yes. Isn't a bad thing. It just makes our summary section. It's going to be short. Yeah. It's going to be brief. So, yes, I would love to okay, lead great. out with some of this history. Yeah. So in 1975, uh, Chantal uh, Ackerman was only 25 years old when she shot this. And it was oh, only her second God. feature film. Oh, so God. I think, I think that's an I do think that's an interesting point to bring up in relation to yeah. Citizen Kane because definitely famously talk about Orson Welles being 25, his first mm-hmm. feature film when he made Citizen Kane. And similarly, like it's just a similar situation, right? Yeah. And so anyway, um Dunk on a Mackerman. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um Yeah, so it was hailed uh as the first masterpiece of the feminine in the history of the cinema. Mm-hmm. Um and it made like large waves internationally. It was like mixed reception upon arrival, obviously. Um, but from like the moment it appeared at Cannes, uh, mm-hmm. you know, it was, it was like a breakthrough, especially like by feminist critics in the U S and like also its star Delphine Serig, uh, was also like way more established than the director and was like known as a high profile feminist activist. Yeah. Um, and so she like really supported like the feminist interpretation of the film, which is actually something that I do think is interesting is that Chantal Ackerman was basically like, this isn't a feminist film. Like mm-hmm. that's not what I'm trying to do. She was hesitant about it. And she said, I never wanted to make the film in a militant spirit. Uh, it was conceived as about the emotional relationship to the mother and the occupation of time and space. Um, it premiered at Cannes in 1975. Like I said, um, it didn't get a theatrical release in New York until 1983. Um, and it's now taught in literature classes, uh, you know, kind of in relation to the histories and forms of like feminist boredom, feminist history. Um, mm-hmm. And actually its production was also a huge deal because it was made with a mostly female crew, something like 80%, um, including cinematographer Babette Mengold and uh, editor Patricia uh, Canino. So, mm-hmm. She, um, this is Ackerman. She said, when people ask me if I am a feminist filmmaker, I reply, I am a woman and I also make films. Throughout her career, she resisted categorization, um, yet finally admitted later, maybe the labels are right, but they are never right enough. Mm-hmm. Um, is kind of just some background information that I thought was neat. Yeah. And because I'm sick, I didn't, I guess I totally forgot to get any sources on that. I just copied everything the sources that I like, trust me. i i read like several articles and copied stuff that was interesting so yeah sources yeah. trust me it came to me in a dream yeah i um, thought so yeah so that's i don't know i thought that was all fairly interesting that is very um, interesting i'm glad i'm glad you brought that yeah uh parker do you want to summarize this film for the audience <sighs> yeah um let me let me do myself just the quickest favor of pulling up a summary to follow along just in case there's anything marginal that I might forget, you know, just kind of hitting the small beats. Because also here's something else that's like, obviously you're going to miss from the summary is that Mm -hmm. like when in action of watching this movie, like the stuff that you're perceiving on can only really be like noticed or talked about in context because like if we were to say, oh, and then, you know, a potato falls, like a potato hits the floor and it's like, right. okay. And what does that mean? It's like, right. But we just spent like a whole day watching her do like this super meticulous routine. She has everything figured out and like all of this. And then like that happens. Mm-hmm. And so like out of context, like these things, but I think this entire movie needs to be seen in context, like obviously. 
So totally. it's like that. I don't know. That's just something that I wanted to mention before we dive yeah. in. Yep, I completely agree. And it's like it. It's one of those things that more than any other film that we've talked about so far, I would argue is that like this movie especially like you were saying is entirely dependent on the context of how it's being presented because our summary is going to be so here's some bullet points and maybe they're not going to sound like anything in the bullet point form but again in context of the film when you've established routine when you've established patterns and then there are breaking from those patterns it you know creates more of a shift than maybe it would in yeah. other films where we talked about things right yeah i also feel like the like experience of watching this film is like the closest thing we have to like i don't know like i don't, I don't want to say like mind reading but like mind melding like yeah you are beholden to someone's day-to-day routine for such a long amount of time that like when something changes, we immediately note that it changes in the same way that she does. Mm-hmm. Right. And yeah. so it's just like, it really puts you in this space. Like that's the magic of it is that it just absolutely, I don't know. It just totally kind of envelops you and you are part of it in a way, which is, I think is an experience that I haven't really had in that way watching a movie mm-hmm. before. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, okay, so the basic kind of overview that I'm going to give, and Max, if there's anything that you recall that I missed, you know, let me know. But the basic structure of the film is that we're following the day-in-the-life routine of our protagonist, um, Jean Diamant, titular character, who is a uh, widowed mother, and she has a very, like, specific routine to her day that we see, which includes things such as cooking, cleaning, running errands, um, and specifically, she does sex work. Um, she has gentleman suitors over, and they uh, pay, for, pay her for their time together, and that is also another aspect of kind of her daily schedule. So the first day we open, and it's kind of the second half of the day. We open with uh, one of these gentlemen arriving and then have a smash cut that implies that time has passed um it's dark when it was light before gentleman leaves his, gives money leaves um and she starts preparing dinner and getting everything ready until her son arrives home um and they have a meal together and they have their meal and then they have a routine for the evening of you know she washes the dishes and put things away and says goodnight to her son and they have a few you know conversations within that um this first day specifically uh he asks about how she met his father and she discusses how um it was right after the war and um they had met and he had money at the time and her family was very much encouraging of saying, Hey, like you should, you should pursue this relationship. Um, and then, uh, things went bad with his business and he didn't have as much money anymore. And the family then said, Oh, well maybe, maybe don't worry about that. She's like, but you know, I wanted to have 
this aspect of my life and I wanted to have a child that was important to me. And so we got married and her son pushes back on that a little bit of like, well, didn't you love him? Right. And she's like, well, I don't know. Does love really matter as much? And he's like, well, like, you know, when you guys were intimate together, like, did you feel anything? And she's like, does it matter? And he's like, well, if I was a woman, I think I would like have to be in love with somebody if I was going to be physical with them. And she's like, well, you're not a woman. So thanks for sharing your insight. And that's like the first day is kind of the half of that day. And then the second day we follow from like morning Morning till evening. We follow all the way, all the way through. And during the second day, we see that like certain activities um, start to like have little hiccups in the patterns that we've seen. So example that you mentioned before of like, you know, dropping a potato, like that's a big deal, right? It's like, whoa. yeah. Um, there's little things like that. Um, just kind of wanders around carrying the potato pot, doesn't put the lid on like the porcelain urn where she keeps her money. Um, and there's, there's other like specific actions, but like, basically like that's kind of establishing what's going on is the second day is where we start to see differences in the patterns Yeah, and noticing that there's kind of a shift in attention going on. Um, and then things continue forward, um, into the next day. Is there any huge shift that I'm forgetting from day two to day three? I don't think so. I think it's okay. It's kind of just like, okay, here's like the full day. Right, 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 right. Um, and then the third day is fairly similar again of just kind of seeing things slightly off compared to what we've seen leading mm-hmm. to the, the big kind of climactic shift of the movie. And before I get to that, any, any other little things that I might've forgotten that you would like to bring up in there? I mean, not really. I okay. I, I just. I, w- I wish I, that I did. Yeah, I feel like I just. I keep double checking with you because again, it's one of those things where it's a long movie where not a lot happens, and so yeah. gathering and like trying to parse back in my memory over like the three and a half hours and be like, okay, is there any like big things that I missed in there? Right? Because even yeah. like me bringing up the conversation with the son, that conversation stood out to me because it's kind of the only conversation like yeah, that in the there's, movie. Yeah, there's, there's, you meant, I mean, you mentioned the, um, like the neighbor conversation, correct? Oh yeah. I, 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 I briefly. Yeah. But, um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, then that's, yeah, I would say that that's the only mm-hmm. like, yeah. Right. So, <laughs> I mean, I'll, um, I'll say, I'll say this, that before we get into the climax, mm-hmm. watching this, there's like a very interesting shift that happened for me where I went from like, I sat down and I was watching and I was like, Oh, this is very like, this is very interesting. Like, I'm really mm-hmm. intrigued. Like, watching her do all these things, and then like at a certain point, it was like not interest anymore. But I wasn't like, I'm not saying I was like, oh, I'm gonna turn this off. But like, right. it, I settled into it, and it. I mean, I, I I've seen the word used to describe it in other places, but like hypnotic is kind of the vibe. Um, I can see that. Very like grounding in a way of like, okay, I'm watching this again yeah i don't know it's it's hard to describe it's something that i haven't experienced before well so much of like western cinematic structure specifically is 
around the idea of like a story happens because of conflict. A story exists as mm. a series of changes to the status quo. And so as a first time viewer, I was having a certain, a similar situation and experience of watching it and kind of being like, okay, for like the first hour, I'm like, okay, we're establishing this kind of slower pace, lockdown camera, very long takes, long shots. Like, you know, it's everything just kind of sitting and I can, I can handle slow movies. I like slow movies. Um, yeah. And then by the second hour, it was kind of accepting the fact that there was not going to be any sort of big shift like that. Like it would be little things that would be inconsequential anywhere else are considered the shifts here, but they aren't presented as big shifts, you know, like it's not yeah. when she drops the potato or forgets to put the lid on the urn it is shot exactly the same way as it was before. There's mm -hmm. no, like the filmmaking does not draw attention to it being out of the ordinary. You as the viewer just observe the patterns and you draw the comparison that it's out of the ordinary, you know? Right. Which is a very different kind of filmmaking and a very different kind of it storytelling. Is. It really reminds me of what, you know, our friend Will talks about a lot, mm -hmm. which is, like, I don't know, this is like interesting in context of this. Go with me here. Because um, okay. you're talking, you know, you talked about how like this is different from like a Western storytelling, you know. Mm -hmm. um, but like a lot of like the hero's journey and a lot of story structure like that is like based around like a climax at the end, right? Right. And like building to that. And it's like almost like a male orgasm in mm -hmm. a way, right? And Will talks, yeah. I don't want to make it sound like Will talks about this a lot. <laughs> But he kind of does. And um, mm -hmm. and then he talks about like how it's interesting that there are like other story structures that are more cyclical, right? Like almost like kind of a more traditional like feminine orgasm, like a female orgasm. And I just mm -hmm. think that's interesting in that like this film is cyclical in that way, if that makes yeah. sense. I don't know. Is that like a weird thing to mention? No, I don't think so. Yeah. Um, there is especially. Still... Oh, go ahead. No, just that like, the climax I'm about to describe isn't a climax in that traditional sense. There is no, no. buildup to this happening. It is, no. again, presented in the same sort of static mundanity as everything else in the film. It is not yeah. building of tension. It just happens. Right. Um, so the, the, the final big kind of shift of the film is uh, on the third day, she has one of her clients over um, and they're having sex and she gets like visibly uncomfortable. Like yeah. she's, she's laying there and seems very passive. And then a shift occurs and she gets very fidgety and grabbing at the pillows and kind of shifting around and almost looking like she's pushing him off in some ways. And it's interesting because I've, I've done some reading from people's like interpretations of it and mm. either like two common reads I've been seeing is that, she's experiencing an orgasm of some kind or mm -hmm. that she is very deeply like uncomfortable and wants out of the situation. I read it more as discomfort, but I could, I could see viewing it more from uh, a standpoint of like her getting stimulation of some kind. But yeah, I that thought is, that was that just interesting. An, that is interesting because I definitely read it as discomfort. It felt like yeah. he like 
the you know the man in the situation was like kind of i don't know he hmm. yeah mm-hmm. okay interesting very interesting yeah i just because i i that's kind of what i had assumed but then again just digging in i was surprised to see that interpretation from people so i thought i'd mention it but in any case um they finish up and uh he's lying on the bed um and she gets up and goes to the nightstand and we have this shot of her and him framed in the mirror on her vanity um and that's kind of the primary angle we're viewing them through yeah and then we see the contents of her vanity uh which include pictures and hairbrushes and a pair of scissors and there is no there's no weight given to any one particular item visually it is a static shot and she gets up from the bed and she's checking herself in the mirror and she looks down for a moment and she grabs the scissors and she turns back and in the mirror we watch her go to the bed and in a single motion stab the man in the throat with the scissors yes it is not it is not there's no music there's no there music. Is no, there is no change of framing. It is just nope. an action that it happens is static. in a static shot, just like the rest of the movie. Right. And so this man gasps for air and slowly goes still and dies. We see a little bit of blood kind of on his wrist. And then we cut from that to out in the dining room where uh, she comes out and we see a bit more blood on her arm and on her blouse. Mm-hmm. And she just sits at the table and it's like a three or four minute shot of her it's just like, kind of staring like, into the, it's like is, is it like minutes. is it like seven? It's, it's like a seven it's a eight. long time. It is just the the end of this movie is just her sitting at a table, just kind yeah. of not reacting. Like there's a couple moments where she kind of like hunches her head a little bit or sits back up. Yeah, but there isn't some big breakdown. There isn't some like oh god, what have I done? It's just this passive quiet non-reaction for seven minutes and yet for me i felt like she was reacting entirely internally oh totally no that she's she is like the actress is acting her ass off which is so real Mm -hmm. because when someone's just sitting there thinking i think there's like a tendency for like acting and like actors to be like okay we got to show this on the face and stuff right and this is some of the best thinking acting i have ever seen it's really good it's There's really, a lot really of good. it in this movie, but especially here, just mm-hmm. like sitting with her in this moment. And it gives you time to like reflect on everything of the last three days. And totally. it feels like three days. It feels like you've been with her and you mm-hmm. are like complicit, but it's also not like you don't feel bad. No, you're just, I don't know. You're just thinking you're reflecting and she's just reflecting. Mm-hmm. And that's the end of the movie. <laughs> that's, that's it. That's it. That's it. And again, I don't, I don't know how else to describe this than like, you have to watch it for yourself to understand that in however long that took us, we summarized a three and a half hour movie and that's what happens. Those are the events that occur, right? Yes. And everything in between is the space in between those events. I was thinking about, and I don't think it's not entirely a one-to-one but go with me here for a minute. Of, okay. uh, my favorite filmmaker is Hayao Miyazaki. And mm-hmm. something he talks about quite a bit is the uh, Japanese concept of ma, which is the space between things. You know, it's the, that there is a, 
a name for the actual physical space that exists between objects. And in storytelling, it's space in between those moments, right? So yes. a great example of that being the train scene from Spirited Away is a moment of ma. We are sitting with the characters. Nothing is happening plot-wise other than they are traveling from point A to point B, but nothing of import to the plot occurs during that entire sequence. It is just a pause in between the larger events, right? Mm -hmm. And so because of that, it almost feels as if 98% of this movie is ma. There are a handful of events that occur and everything else is the space in between those events. And it is yeah. incredibly long and drawn out and intentional in how it is sitting in those moments and the space in between them. Yes. Um, which was just something I was thinking about while watching this. Um, but no, that, I love again, that. I love that you, that you brought that up. I feel like, I don't know. I hadn't made that connection yet, but I agree. Like it's interesting to see a film that is entirely devoted to just those moments. Yeah. Like that is the film. It also reminds me a lot interesting. of interesting, like the modern, like last 10 years or so obsession with liminal spaces. Mm -hmm. I can see that. I don't know. I think that's like, yeah. And really like, I don't know. Like I feel like liminal spaces are typically just like, wow, a space that's typically bright is now dark. Ooh. right and like it's like wow this was a picture taken on like a digital camera Ooh, mm. you know Ooh. but i do think there is like a vibe like it works for me i don't i know it doesn't work for everyone but like sure i don't know i almost feel like this is liminal in the sense that like i don't know you you exist there and mm. when you leave it you feel like you were there but you weren't and so totally. Like now, the next time I watch this or if I see like an image of like the kitchen or the bathroom, I'm like, oh, I've been there. Like, I don't know. It's a such, mm -hmm. it's such like a lived in experience, obviously, which is like the point, but yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Mm. Um, but yeah, that's, that's, that's what happens in this movie. That's the summary. <laughs> Great. Um, okay. <laughs> I feel like there's nothing really else. To say other than like other criteria, right? I, I think so. Yeah, I think I think that would be what makes the most sense. <laughs> yeah. So let's uh, let's get into criteria then. Let's do it. So okay. I mean, we already talked about like the historical and like mm -hmm. technical significance. I think yeah. this. I think this is a good. I think this is a good contender against. I think I. I think. Historically, yes. Culturally, mm. I might I might question slightly. You know, mm. again, not that this is the end all be all, but just generally speaking, comparing to the other films that we've looked at, we've also brought this up. So I think it feels fair to bring it up here. Are you of bringing like up the Simpsons. I'm bringing up the Simpsons. <laughs> you know, the it's wild how much that text uh, <laughs> is just like. I don't know, like the 20th century it's, is written. It's a Rosetta Stone of, <laughs> of what is what is in vogue at any given That's time. That's exactly it. That's the phrase I was looking for. Thank you, Parker. Yes, naturally. Okay, so uh, the Simpsons. Yeah. So and and okay, I'm going to, in real time. I'm going to check really quick. Oh, don't worry. I'm already checking. Okay, let's see. Let's see if the Simpsons. I they have to has have. ever Come covered on. this. Come on. I'm I'm not seeing I'm not anything. seeing anything. 
What? I'm not seeing anything. Not even like an image of just Lisa at a counter or March. No. Like, come on. Okay. Let's yeah, be real. This feels like an easy one to this do. This is an easy reference. Well, yeah. We should do a podcast called Pitches to the Simpsons of the Past. Because <laughs> this wouldn't happen today. It would be ridiculous mm. if they were like, anyway, here's the show on Deal Month 30 <laughs> in 2024. Yeah. Um, all right. Well. You got me on that one. So Parker. I just I just bring that up because we've brought it up elsewhere and it we feels have. fair to at least mention, you know? Yeah. Just when comparing everything, just bringing Fine that up Parker. as a piece. Burger, your Simpsons argument dictates that Citizen Kane is better than this movie. Good job. You did it. I didn't know. I am. Ha- I, I, there's there's two parts to this. There is historical I'm, I'm, and cultural. I'm kidding. It's a joke. I'm sorry. Um, I think they were treating this like it's a dangerous episode to make. Yeah, we're like, oh, God. We're like, oh, oh God. Gonna... Oh, like, no. <laughs> yeah, who's going to? Anyway, eh, knock on wood anyway, just in case. Um, First they came for me, and then, then they'll come, come for, for you. you. Whoa. Um, <laughs> okay, great. Well, I think, where do we, okay, so you say historical significance is on par with Citizen Kane. I think so. I think, like, if you dig into film history and film studies, there's a lot written about this film and a lot of influence that can be drawn from it. I think you can look at something like this and draw like a direct line to the work of somebody like Kelly Reichardt, who is all about like that very mm. slow, methodical pacing. That's true. That's a great point. So I think I think like influence can absolutely be seen. Um, yeah, I mean Todd Haynes has also come out and said sure, you know, which mm-hmm. makes sense as well. Yeah, and so like thinking about that in context of this, I'm like, yeah, no, absolutely, like it is on par. Um, it's just that this particular criteria comes in two parts. And so I, I yeah. sit with that for a minute. I might, let me, let me, let me sit on this one. Maybe let's come back okay. to this. Okay. Cause this, this one feels the most contentious to me it as far is. as like yeah. wobbly. Yeah. Um, okay. So wibbly wobbly time. How, how well is it? Do- let me cut your doctor who reference off there. <laughs> let me cut it off there. This podcast cut is up. a film zone. <laughs> uh, uh, anyway. So. Um, how well? Do how well? How well is it doing? I think it is doing exactly what it's trying to do. I think it's. I think flawlessly, it perfectly. Yeah, like n- no flaw in what it's trying to do. No, I think I think it an ode to like what did what did she say? She said it was like an ode quote. to motherhood. I think you said. Yeah, um, and she then said. It was conceived as about the emotional relationship to the mother and the occupation of time and space. Yes, this emotional relationship is, to the mother. This movie is time and spacey as hell. Totally. Like, puts 100%. you in the time and space easily. Yeah. Fully yeah. agree. Okay, great. And it just, it... Like, I was, I was talking about this the other day when I was describing this movie to somebody where, like... In some ways, I can I can certainly see why the long run time could be a hindrance for some people, right? And at certain points, full cards on the table, I was feeling it at a certain point of this oh, movie. Yeah. I'm just like, yes. wow, this is a long movie. And well, like look at my watch yeah. and be like, there's how much left? And especially like, especially like if it was that way then as well. Like if there were people mm-hmm. who had a hard time with it then. Like now, right. totally. our world is faster than ever. Right. And it so just, it's yeah, it's so interesting to me that something that can be viewed and was experienced by me as maybe like a knock against the movie is so integral to the movie. Like the movie can't be shorter 
than three and a half hours and still carry the weight and the themes that yeah. it does, you yeah. know? Cause like the whole movie is about the monotonous existence this woman is living in. And yeah. you can't sell that monotony to the full extent that it does without that extended runtime. Like you have yeah. to sit in it. You, you know, this movie either needs to be a five minute short film or a three and a half hour pontification. You know what I mean? Yes. Like it, it, there's no real middle ground while still selling what it's trying to sell. And yeah, so while still maintaining its integrity. Exactly. Exactly. Like, you know, presenting yeah, as to a you concept. Exactly. Right. Like landing its concept. It, that extended runtime is a tool in the filmmaker's tool belt. Yeah. That she's well, using I, I, flawlessly. I, I want to take this moment to defend three plus hour movies. And I know this is okay, a hot yeah, topic yeah. In, in the year that we're in. Okay. But here's my take, right? Mm -hmm. There is always a much fuss made about a movie when the runtime is announced to be over three hours. Mm. So a lot of people out there in, you know, the mind sphere, which is whatever Twitter used to be, um, right. of like, no movie should ever be more than three hours long. And that's okay. Like, you can feel that way. I have mm -hmm. close, close friends and loved ones who feel that way. But my take is that a good three-hour movie or three-plus-hour movie, this was my take, I should say. A good three-plus-hour movie knows its runtime mm -hmm. and, well, okay, this is, a, okay, I don't know why I made a qualifier. <laughs> Literally, a three-plus-hour movie knows its length and mm -hmm. adjusts accordingly to yeah. the desired effect, Right. There can be a three-hour movie, like RRR, for example, a movie that mm -hmm. we desperately want to talk about at some point. It's going to happen. It is a three-hour movie that moves. Like, you mm -hmm. are aware that it's three hours long, especially if you pause to go to the bathroom and then you go, what? <laughs> but, Whoa. like, it moves. It flies by. No complaints, yeah. really, right? Yeah. And you have something like Killers of the Flower Moon, which came out this year, where mm -hmm. that is a movie that knows its length and is slow, and you feel that it is slow, but it's intentional. Totally. What it's doing intentionally and it fits the film, right? Mm -hmm. Whereas sometimes you have like a three-hour movie where we go, this this didn't need to be three hours. Like this didn't need to be two and a half hours. Like you could have been an email. It could have been a TikTok, okay? <laughs> <laughs> I've, no. Um, I was trying to think of what like the email equivalent to film is. Yeah, that's, that's, no, that's good. It's a good point. Yeah. And so I feel like this movie like, absolutely falls in the category of like, this is a movie that has to be the length that it is. And it knows mm -hmm. that it is three hours and it's not an ego thing. It isn't a pretentious thing. Yeah. It is literally, this is what we have to do for this film to work. And mm -hmm. it 100% works in that capacity. I think totally. it is perfect at what it is doing. And I do think it is a perfect film. Mm -hmm. And we could talk about that a little bit. Cause my review, my, you know, my letterbox review of this, I didn't put any stars Mm -hmm. because I'm dabbling with no stars, Parker. Um, mm. I'm breaking the news live. Coward. Huge seismic. <laughs> um, but really, I was just like, this film exists in like a, it is simultaneously so important, but it also exists in a bubble where it feels unfair to be like, mm. uh, you know, like it's also hard to rate it. And we'll get into this, I think, with the next criteria. Yeah. Because it is fundamentally not a movie that I enjoy watching. And no. I think a lot of the time star ratings are a combination of technical like claim, like praise mm -hmm. and whether you enjoy it. Right. Sure. And that's what I think I like about this show that we do is that we can break it down into this movie is doing what it's doing extremely well. It isn't for me. Yeah. Right. 
anyway, I've been rambling for long enough, so I'm going to let you talk now. Um, that's my defense of three-hour movies. Yep, I fully well, agree. Follow me on I, Letterboxd. Uh, you know, I will, I will, I will stake my claim as being uh, fully on your side of the argument with three-hour movies. I mean, I thank you. I, I made sure Lawrence of Arabia was in here this year. Like, yeah. I like long movies. I promise, yeah. I do. And I liked this movie because, like, for being long. Uh, yeah. So I'm glad you brought that up. Um, anything else you want to say about how well it's doing, what it's trying to do? I just think that if film is a as a medium, if it was created to like capture life mm. and then it evolved into, okay, well let's capture a different life and then it evolved into, okay, well let's capture an internal life. Let's capture like all of these different things. Mm-hmm. I think that this movie is like one of the purest like products. Uh, I hate the word product, uh, the purest outcome of what the intention of filmmaking was. Mm-hmm. If that makes sense. Sure. Like thinking about like, this is almost a silent film. Thinking about like how film started mm-hmm. this, I don't know. And I don't really actually want to elaborate on that because I'm worried that I'll make it sound less pretty or people <laughs> will be like, what is he talking about? He is sick. And I go, yeah, yeah. And my opinions are sick too. That's what I say. <laughs> um, Perfect. Anyway, that's my last thought on, on this. Okay. Your turn. Okay. All right. With where we're at with like how well are we connecting with it? I've been very intrigued to talk to you about this because we haven't talked about it on mic yet. Um, And we haven't talked about it off mic either. We haven't talked about it at all, really. Um, And so I've been very, very curious to know how this one specifically was going to shape up. Um, Because where I'm standing is that I think I can put so much of like the praise and adoration that I have for this movie in the previous category of that. I think it is doing what it's trying to do flawlessly, maybe better than anything we've watched so far. Like I could, I could maybe make an argument for that of like, this thing is operating on a level of just like knowing exactly what it is and sticking to that and executing it perfectly for the goals that it has in mind. Right. Yeah. So that's where I can lay a lot of my, affection for the movie and praise for it as far as how well i'm connecting with it i don't know because my with my film brain on with my with my you know master's degree hanging on the wall i can look at this and be like wow this is such an interesting examination of like a female perspective and a feminist text and slow cinema and all of these things right and when i take that hat off and i'm just parker I'm just me as a person. This is not really the kind of movie I seek out on my own for my Mm. own enjoyment and my own viewing very often. Granted, again, I, one of my favorite filmmakers is Kelly Reichardt, which I mentioned earlier. And I like her movies quite a bit. And Kelly Reichardt for me has like the balance that I'm looking for of taking those elements of slow cinema but sprinkling in just enough of like my personal tastes in storytelling and narrative mm-hmm. structure and pacing that I can really vibe with it in a, in a great way. Yeah. Um, this feels just kind of outside of that for me of, okay. I don't know that outside of an academic space, I don't know that I'll ever watch this movie again. I think I will recommend it to people. Like if people, 
are very academically minded and film minded and are interested and intrigued, like I would send them this and say, hey, check this out. I'd love to hear your thoughts on it. You know, I do my weekly movie nights. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think this is ever making it in the lineup. You know what I mean? Sure. Yeah. And that's not that's not a knock against the movie. Like it no. really isn't. This this no. is the most subjective out of our three criteria, right? Of like how do yes. I connect with it? Burger, I feel like you're you're very much justifying your subjective opinion. I am. I, I'm, I I'm scared, it, Max. I'm scared. You, and that's okay, but you don't have to. <laughs> you're allowed to just say you thought a movie was kind of boring. And I I did. Thank now, you. I'm thanks not thanks for the that. <laughs> I tricked you. Oh no, he got Parker's me. A real he got asshole. me on mic. Parker's oh, a real no. asshole. I don't think it was. Uh, Parker Rollins, <laughs> noted woman hater. No, oh, it happened. That's not true. Not true. Let's clarify. Um, that. That's not true. To clarify that, but it's just like I think, and this is <laughs> this is a little mask off moment for all of you listeners. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. Who knows if this makes it into the podcast? But it's just, mm. I think, I think the defensiveness comes from just like you and I dunk on and complain about like the worst kinds of cis white straight, you know, film bro dudes who just, you know, wouldn't, you know, it's the kind of guys who watched little women. It's like, I don't know. I thought it was confusing. I I couldn't follow the plot. I didn't understand understand. the timelines. I didn't understand. And it just, shit like that drives me nuts. Yeah. And so like, I look at this, I'm like, okay, I promise I'm not one of those people. I just found the movie kind of boring subjectively. Is where I'm at with it. Okay, because okay, thanks. This is a genre (laughs) of film, and Mm -hmm. in the same way that I don't love like experimental heavy guitar music, like I don't want to listen to that. I can respect that there's art behind it. Totally, I don't have to like it. Yeah, that's a really good analogy. And I think, and I'm not trying to take that away from anybody. You know, Mm -hmm. if you like Jean Dielman, that's fine because we're not trying to hate on it. We're back. We're we're back back. to the intro. But like, I don't know. Like I was vibing with it. It reminded me a lot of Solaris. It reminded me of Tarkovsky Solaris, which Mm -hmm. I'm a big fan of. Um, It's so slow and so like vibey and you're just Mm -hmm. there for the atmosphere. And I really liked Solaris. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot more going on in Solaris, but I liked it. And with this, there's not a lot going on. And it's similarly very slow and long. Mm. And I wouldn't say that I like, again, I don't think every movie has to be enjoyable to watch, but it definitely plays a part in how I feel about it. Mm-hmm. And so I was talking to one of my other friends about this. Parker, I do have other friends beside you. I'm sorry. <gasps> He's finding this out live on mic. Oh um, we were talking about it and they had seen it before. Mm-hmm. And she said like, yeah, I saw it in like my French film class. I will probably never watch it again. But mm-hmm. it's very interesting. And I went, perfect. I'm yeah. going to take that opinion. That's mine too. Um, <laughs> Thank you. I think this is a like pitch perfectly crafted film mm-hmm. that I will never watch again. Or maybe yeah. watch in 10 years. Mm-hmm. Or on a Sunday afternoon when I'm feeling a little sleepy. Sure. Um, and then wake up just in time for the murder. But <laughs> I don't know. I think that's totally valid because I feel similarly. Okay. And yeah, there we go. Great. I was I was fully I was fully bracing myself for you to come in and put the smack down on me no. and be like, no, no, Parker, no. how could you Well, I mean, I guess that is fair because I didn't give it a star rating and said it was a perfect film. So you were probably Exactly. I was I was bra- like I saw that on Letterboxd. I was like, oh boy, because I think I gave this three and a half. You did. 
which yeah. is less than your most recent scoring of Citizen Kane. So you do, do you connect <laughs> there with it Citizen is. Kane more we, than now you connect we know. <laughs> um, yes, I do. Yeah, which absolutely. was that was like yeah a hunt like that was that was kind of another reason I was interested to talk to you about this is I was thinking about it in the lead up to us recording. I was like, yeah, no, like I do like given the choice of just subjectively, which one are you going to turn on and watch between these yeah. two movies? I'd, I'd rather watch Citizen Kane personally, which is fine because yeah. it is a traditional, like traditionally mm-hmm. structured Three-act film. Structure. It's about mm-hmm. a thing, you know? Yep. Quantifiable. And it's, okay, and, it's, and it's okay for movies to be different from other movies. Totally. And I feel like we have been circling this for a long time. We have, yes. So, and I don't think we have as much intentionality behind it as um, as Jean Dielman itself. So, okay, so that's where we stand subjectively. Mm-hmm. So let's just get this. Let's get the tallies. Yeah, let's get the tallies. Um, so it's it's doing its what it's doing better than Citizen Kane is doing. Absolutely. Doing. Yep. One point for Jean Dielman. We both connect with Citizen Kane more than this movie. One point for reasons Kane. stated multiple times. Mm-hmm. Historical significance. Here's where I'm at with it. Okay. I think this movie deserves a point. I think I think I think that this movie spent years and years and years being at like not on the list and then it was at like mm-hmm. 37th and then 76th like it's been all around. Yeah. And then in 2022 it was named best film of all time mm-hmm. by the British Film Institute. Number 1 film above Vertigo, above Citizen Kane, above Tokyo Story which is number 4 which we'll probably get to at some point. Mm-hmm. And I think I don't know even if it's for what assholes might call woke reasons <laughs> I feel like I I personally feel like I want to give this a point. Do yeah. I think that Citizen Kane is more mainstream culturally significant than this movie? Obviously, yes, because it Sure. Jean Dielman did not have a chance at being like in the mainstream Simpsons gag unless mm-hmm. it was like super niche because this isn't this is a movie that exists outside of what people expect movies to be, like the mass audiences. Right. But I do think that its existence is significant and so i don't know call it bullshit or something but i'll give the point to this one you don't have to i think i think you make a compelling argument i think i can i think i'll give the point you've convinced me yes so criteria wise we have our answer two against one it is better taking a step back taking a step back what do you think there's another movie that we watched at some point. I can't remember which one it was, but I just distinctly remember that we both said, we like this movie a lot more. Mm-hmm. But it's not better than Citizen Kane. Yeah. And I'm feeling the inverse, where I go, mm-hmm. I like Citizen Kane. Mm-hmm. I would rather turn it on. But when compared to also other movies that we have talked about, this movie is doing exactly what it's doing perfectly Mm. we've had gripes about other movies that we have said are like wow this is amazing you know yeah so i think this when i look at it in the grand scheme of things i have to put it higher up Mm. and therefore it is better but i also don't want to risk damaging our criteria or the function of our show by bringing (laughs) in every other movie we've ever watched on this show sure but hey i mean i brought in the simpsons 
So I think yeah. I think having a point of reference for how we talk about these things is perfectly fine. Okay, great. Well, that's my um, take. Okay, I think that's a solid take. I am so evenly split 50-50 yeah. on whether or not, like, taking a step back, I think it's better or worse. I think with being 50-50, I'm more than happy to defer to your opinion on the matter and shift it to 51% and say, yeah, no, I'm, I'm okay with standing behind, taking a step back and saying, yeah, I think I agree with BFI on this one. I think there's a lot of internality about this movie that I, I don't get from Kane. And I think yeah. there's a lot going on here. There's a, yeah. It's a very dense piece of art. Yeah, we talked a lot about not having a, a glimpse into the internal world of Kane mm. and Citizen Kane. And here it's like, yeah, we don't, we hear hardly anything. But, and yet we're still like mind melding with her. Yeah. So, so I think, I think I can, I think I can feel okay about that. I think I can, I can stand behind that choice and uh, follow wow. up on that and say, yeah, I think, I think it is better than Citizen Kane. Wow. Wow. Give me a moment. Here we are. I'm pulling up, I'm pulling up the full title, broken down into, into how I yes, say Yes, please. It. Thank you. So we've just determined that Jean Dillemont, 23, Quai de Commerce, 1420, Brussels, is better than Citizen Kane. And now you can believe it because it came from us and not BFI. Yeah, now you really our, know. You know the authorities opinion. have spoken. That's really funny. <laughs> That's really funny, Parker, to say that we are, have any authority at all. Um, oh, shucks. <laughs> all right. I will say that in the director's poll of Sight and Sound, 2001 was named the best movie of all time. Mm. So just throwing well. that out there. All right. Well, I will see you January of next year for that one. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, now we have speaking, to put that the schedule. <laughs> I know. Speaking of schedule, uh, would you like to announce no. what our next film You're is? You're announcing here? what we're doing oh, next week. It. You're taking I, I, it. It's your pick. It's your pick. I am. It's my pick, and I'm so excited about it. Next week, we will be taking a look at 1940s Fantasia, one Fantasia. of my favorite animated films, possibly just favorite films. It's it's it le it's in my top 20, I would say. I don't know if it's cracked a top 10, but it's I like it quite a bit, and I I've am very excited. never seen it all the way through. Ooh. I think yeah. I, I think I saw bits in orchestra class, or maybe that was Fantasia 2000, probably both. Both um, are good. I like, and okay, we're going to talk about Fantasia 2000. Right. This time so. next year. <laughs> <laughs> yep. We're going to circle. No, no. It, it, it's, no it's, it's relevant. It's, okay. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Well, thanks, everybody. Thank you so much all for right. listening. Um, Thank you all. Yeah. And go we will out catch and, you next time. Go out and have a routine, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Go be routine for a little while. Yeah. All Drop right, some thanks, potatoes. <laughs> Drop a potato. Peel a potato. Make a dinner. Yeah. Eat yeah. soup. At an incredibly slow pace that's so realistic that I go, wow. <laughs> and then send us a clip of you doing that. <laughs> Please do. All right. All right. Thanks, Thanks everybody. Bye.